That was my beautiful wife in there and my younger daughters. They don't look like that anymore. And uh, Chris did that video. Amen. Chris Austin. Talent. A lot of you guys have never seen that video before, huh? You didn't know we had it like that in this church, did you? Got a lot of talent. Amen. So we, uh, I, wanted to cho- I wanted to show that this morning. Uh, we have several on our website, too, if you haven't seen them. They're really awesome. But I wanted to show that because I believe that God wants us to seize every moment that we have. Now, I want to give you a couple verses this morning, and one I want to read that's really, I've got a reminder on my phone that reminds me about stuff. If you don't have this app, I would, uh, uh, what's the word, encourage you to get it because it really helps when you need to do something. If you're like me, if I don't have it written down, I'm not going to do it, and if I don't have a reminder, I'm going to forget. So, what I do is this thing's called Life Reminders, and I go in there and I put a time and a date and I have it remind me. Amen. I don't, I don't have to be reminded to eat, praise God, but pretty much everything else I need to be reminded. And so I'll have it come on. And this one, one particular verse is Psalms 90, 17. I sent it out a few weeks ago. You don't have to look at it, but I want you to listen to it. It's kind of my new go-to verse, and it's kind of my reminder every day about what God wants to do in my life. Here it is, Psalms 90, 17. May the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Think about that second for a second. May the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. How many want the beauty of the Lord our God to be upon us? Amen. Every day. I, we need to get to the place where we understand we don't want people to see us. We want people to see Jesus. We don't want people to see us. We want see people to see God. When you get to the attitude in your life that you want people to see Jesus in you, you will begin to live a life that you never thought you could live. You'll be so excited, you'll be so fulfilled, you'll be so blessed, you'll be so happy that you will not know what to do with yourself, amen? Because you'll realize God is moving through me, and this has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with God, amen? So here it goes, may the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and then it says this, and establish the work of his hands. And then it says it again, yes, establish the work of of his hands. Think about that. That that should be something that we should write on our mirror, or write down somewhere, or like I have every day I have that reminder sent to me. That verse hits me at 10 o'clock every morning because I want to be reminded that the Lord God is upon me and that he's establishing his work in me. Amen. Amen. Some of you here maybe have not gotten the revelation yet of what it's like to be used by God. There's no greater value or no greater joy than to know that God can use me. And once you get the purpose of God, what God has for your life, you're going to be happier. You might be here this morning and you might be depressed. You might be mad. You might be sad. You might be all of them together. You might not have any emotions. But whatever your emotions are, if they're not joy and if they're not happiness, I can tell you it's because you don't know what your purpose is. Amen? Amen? We've got to have a purpose. But in life, like that video showed, there's days and weeks and months where things go wrong. And they continually go wrong. How many football fans do I have Anybody in here? Anybody likes football? Well, think about this, man. There was this guy in a big, big game back in the 1930s. This goes way back. No one will know the name. It doesn't matter. But there was a big game going on. And this guy in this big game got an interception, or sorry, a fumble. And caused a fumble and picked up the ball and in his excitement began to run. Well, guess what? In football, there's two directions you can run. One is towards your end zone 
and one is towards the other end zone. Well, this man was so lost in the excitement of picking up the fumble that he got the ball and ran the other way. And he got tackled by his own teammate on the two-yard line. Thank God. Amen? And then, because he got tackled on this two-yard line, uh, they, they had to play defense, and then a punt happened, and then they ended up getting a safety. All kinds of bad things happened, okay, from going the other way. So they get into halftime. And the dude is just, he's, he, they're down by a few points, and he has got his hand in his head. He's got his towel over his head, he's, and he's thinking, I'm done. I've lost it. I'm, I'm never going to play football again. My coach is never going to put me in again. And, every, and he's just thinking, how many, and listen, I, I've been there. I want to share something this morning. I'm going to come back to that story in just a second. I've got some basketball buddies here this morning that really appreciate this if I haven't said it before. I played professional basketball in Costa Rica, and one game, we were uh, really close, okay, really tight. And, uh, I, you know, when you've played somewhere for a while, I had a lot of friends that played. And so some of my friends were on other teams. So we were in a really close game. We were up by one point. Follow this. I'm going to come back to the football one in a second. We're up by one point, and all we had to do was keep the ball to ourselves and uh, not lose it. So I got the ball, and I go across half court. We're up by one. There's like 10 seconds left. And I get trapped. Two people come to me together. So I'm looking around trying to find someone. All of a sudden, I hear, Blake, Blake, that's my name. I knew the voice, right? It was, it was a voice, familiar voice. So I turned and threw the ball to the guy who said Blake. Guess what? It was my friend from the other team. He caught the ball and went down the court and made a layup, and we lost. Professional game. Packed house, I lost the game. I'm putting myself on blast, okay? So I just, want, I just thought about that moment of being in the locker room. I just remembered, you know what? I've done that before. I know how it feels. Go into the locker room, and you don't even want to see anybody. You wish you could crawl into a crack. You wish you could never show up again, because even though good teammates don't do it, they don't come up and say, you are horrible. You lost the game. You know they're thinking it. So I'm sitting there going, oh, God, I want this day to end, and I don't ever want it to happen again. So this guy's in his locker room, and he's thinking this like this, and he, th he knows the whole locker room's looking at him. And all of a sudden, the coach says, we're going back out second half, all the starters back on the field. And he's like, all the starters? I'm a starter. He's like, coach, what do you, what, you can't put me back in. You can't put me back in. I just lost the game for us. He says, it's only halftime. He says, you go back out there and make up for the mistake you made. Amen. How many know in our lives, as long as we're still alive, it's only halftime. And this game ain't over yet. Amen. And we can still do something powerful for God. We can still do something powerful for God. Now, in my own personal thing, I didn't get a second chance. The game was over. Amen. But I got it back the next game. I may, I'm always, you always have a chance to make up for it. How many believe that? But with God, we have him on our side. We need to understand that there's a moment we have to seize. And sometimes it's seizing the moment in a bad moment. A lot of times we think of victory and we think of good things and we think that that just happens. But how many know that the good things that happen in your life usually happen after a bad thing has happened? And you overcome that bad thing by doing something right and getting it back. And there's got to be in our lives a fight. There's got to be a fight in us. Amen. Colossians 4, 5 and 6 says this. I want you to go there real quick if you would. And then we're going to look at one other verse this morning. Colossians 4, 5 and 6. If you didn't catch it yet. And you're taking notes, I want to talk about seizing the moment. Do you know there's actually a saying, I think it's carpe diem or something like that, out of Latin, 
that people learn, and that's seizing the day, seizing the moment. It's something that people talk about, and obviously those that don't know the Lord are talking about, you know, living life to the fullest. When you don't know the Lord, and you don't know about Jesus, and you don't have eternal implications waiting for you like we know we do, people have the attitude of get what you can get. Do what you can do. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. Live your life to the fullest. Amen. Do everything you can. But how many know that uh, when we have that attitude without God, we can get in a lot of trouble? Amen. A lot of trouble. There was a man in high school that wanted to, that wanted to and we're all mostly old here, uh, older people. We don't have any small kids. Who made a vow when he was in high school that he wanted to sleep with every girl he possibly could before high school was over. He was a record. He, he wanted to make his own record, and he wanted, that's all he told people. He told all his friends, and he did that, and he, he, he slept around, and he was with a lot of women. And guess what? When high school was over, he fulfilled his purpose that he had for himself to be with as many women as he, as he could. But guess what? High school ended, and life started. He didn't know there was life after high school. He didn't know that after high school he was going to live another life. He was going to have to find a wife. He was going to have kids. He didn't realize that all the stuff that he sowed in high school, he was going to reap later in his life. He didn't realize that all the people he was sleeping around with had diseases. And he didn't realize that all the fulfillment that he thought he was getting by seizing the moment every week getting girls in his life, he didn't realize he was ruining the rest of his life because now he had nothing to look forward to. So that's not the kind of seizing the moment I'm talking about. I'm talking to some people here, select people, who are listening to the voice of God and say, God, I want to seize the moment for the kingdom of God. Amen. There's a lot of people who seize the moment in the world, and listen, they'll get what the world can give them. Listen to me good. You can seize the moment in the world. You can do things that the world calls fun. You can do things that the world calls uh, popular or famous or all kinds of things, but you're not doing anything for eternity. But when you come into the kingdom of God and you give your life to Jesus Christ like we have this morning, and if you haven't, you have a chance to meet him this morning, when you do that and you seize the moment for God, you realize that every time I seize the moment, I'm doing something for eternity. I am impacting people's lives forever. Amen. So Colossians 4, 5 and 6 says this, why? And this is a very clear verse to the call and the purpose that we have. And right before we read this, just look over to your left real quick to that wall. That's our purpose. That's our vision. It's from the Bible, Matthew 28, Mark 16. Go into the whole world and preach the gospel, teaching them the things that I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to evangelize. We're supposed to disciple people like Dwayne mentioned at prayer. And we're supposed to start churches and multiply the work of ourselves and get other people saved. That's your purpose. Maybe you're here saying, I don't know what my purpose is. Well, I'm not talking about your purpose in your career. I'm not talking about your purpose in, 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 your, in your personal life. That, that's whatever you want to do. But if you're talking about kingdom business, your purpose on this earth is to tell people about Jesus. Your purpose is to see what you can do to impact heaven and to unpopulate hell. I don't know what your purpose is, but that's mine. And everything that I do and everything that I think about and everything that is around my life has to do with that. And I believe with all my heart, Matthew 6, that if I seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, that all the things that I need will be there for me when I need them. 
It didn't say all the riches. It didn't say all the, all the gold and the silver. It said all the things I need. When I put God first, God puts me first. When I think about the kingdom of God and I, and I seize the moment every day to say, God, who can I talk to about you this morning? I begin to understand that God's hand is upon me. The beauty of the Lord God is upon me to establish his work. Yes, to establish his work. Amen? How many are here? How many are listening? As you're there, we're about to read this right here. I know that as you sat down today, you had a card. Grab that card real quick that was on your chair. There's a Jesus card on every single one of your chairs. I want you to keep that there. You can use it this morning for this moment to mark your Bible or whatever. But I want you to look at that card, and I want you to realize that that card represents, because you're sitting there, represents you. That's your seat. You're sitting there. That card is what we call Jesus cards. That card is a weapon. That card is powerful. That card has somebody's name on it. Amen? Amen? And your name is one of them because somebody invited you to this place. Whether it was today or last week or last month or last year or five years ago, somebody invited you to church and they most likely gave you a card like that and said, hey, come to church with me. And as you know, it says on there, don't look at it now for time, but on the back it has the sinner's prayer. And we pass those things out to people and we, we tell people about Jesus. And it's got a way that even if we're not with them, that they can read that card and they can say the sinner's prayer. And that's a seed for somebody's life. Amen. Amen? I want you to see that card because I physically want you to understand that that is an opportunity in your hand to seize the moment and tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Now, if you're here this morning religiously and you just came to say, hey, I went to church, I'm not talking to you. Amen. If you're here for any other reason than to do something for God, this message is not going to be for you. You're not going to get anything out of it. Just going to be honest with you. But if I've got some people in here who are tired of thinking about what they need personally... Tired of thinking about what my needs are. Tired of thinking about what my desires are. If I've got anybody in here that wants to get to a place where they say, I'm, I don't really care what I need, God. I'm going to start being a little bit more concerned about what other people need. And what other people need is Jesus. Jesus. I'm not talking about finances. I'm not talking about things. Because there's always going to be needs. There's always going to be things we need. There's always going to be things we want. I'm talking about what will fill someone's heart. That like Pastor Jones said last week, at the lady, with the lady at the well, is a water that you'll never drink again. Amen. Ever drink. I've got some people in here that know what I'm talking about. Now look at Colossians 4 and keep that card before you and keep it in your mind because we're going to pray over that at the end. Colossians 4. Verse 5 and 6 says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Outside where? Outside the church. Okay, walk with, in wisdom towards those who are outside. And look at the, what this says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. If we're looking at life the right way, we're waking up every day saying, God, you have somebody today that I need to meet. 
There is somebody, and it may be more than one, but there's somebody that you are going to put in my path that needs to know Jesus. Peter said those powerful words in the Bible when they were walking up to the beautiful gate, the Bible says, they were going to prayer, and that man was on the side and he was begging for money, and he's putting his hand out and he's asking for money. And a lot of times people who need things, they don't really realize that the need they have physically is just a byproduct of the need they have spiritually. And if you were to give that man money, or you were to give that man things, if you were to take care of a need that they had, that would be great, but it would only fix that need for a little while because that need will come back around again. The next month's bill will come back around again. The next need will come back. It'll always be there. But if you'll give them something that they, that they really need called Jesus then Jesus can step into their life and not only fix the problem at that moment, but he can fix their heart. And when Jesus fixes the heart, Jesus fixes everything. And then you get to a place like us this morning where we're at in our lives that we say, I could, I could have no money in the bank. I could have no food in the fridge. I could be sick in my body. I could have all kinds of problems. But it doesn't matter because I got what really matters, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now I know who I'm talking to because those who are excited and clapping and shouting, those are the ones who I'm talking to, amen, who understand what I'm saying. Seizing the moment. Living for somebody else and not for myself. We come into church all the time with, oh, I've got a need. Don't we? Don't we come to church all the time and if we go to the prayer room or during praise and worship, we're thinking, oh, God, I worship you, Lord, but you know what I need. Oh, God, I can't pay the rent. Oh, God, I'm behind on this. Oh, God, I'm sick. Oh, God, we're just always coming with a need. What would happen this morning if we would start coming to church and stop saying, Oh, God, I have a need. Oh, God, I need this. Oh, God, I need that. And we'd start lifting our hands in worship and saying, God, I'm not here this morning about me. I'm not here to talk about what I need. I'm here to talk about a lost and a dying world who needs Jesus this morning, a world that you came to die for, a world that you gave your life for. Father, I'm going to come and I'm going to focus 100% on that with the faith and the understanding that when I do that, God has my back. It's a, that's a totally different mindset. Totally different mindset. Totally different mindset. I'm not saying this to brag for myself personally, but I have trained myself almost to a fault. Sometimes it's, I say this on purpose because sometimes I don't ask enough. I've trained myself to a fault to, to be trying to be conscious of other people and more than anything, the kingdom of God. And be thinking about the Lord that many times I catch myself and even God speaking to me and saying, hey, you haven't asked for anything. Hey, why don't you be specific about that? And I have to catch myself. But I, that's a good problem, amen? That we would be more concerned about the things of God. And listen, you, you, can, you can doubt that if you want or whatever, but I know my heart this morning, and I know what's on my heart, and I know what my mind wants, and I know what my spirit wants. I want to see a move of God. I want to see lives changed. I want to see lives saved, souls saved. I want to see people sitting next to you on that seat, amen? Because the Jesus card that's next to you belongs to somebody else. That empty chair has a name. But it's not going to walk in tripping over the door. This is the part. This is it. This is the place I had a dream about last night. How did I get here? It's not going to happen. You've got to take that card. and You have to seize the moment 
with somebody. Say, like Peter said to that man when he put his hand out, he said, silver and gold I have I none. He said, but what I have, I give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, rise up and walk. See, the problem with that man was not that he didn't have any money. The problem with that man is he couldn't work. So Peter said, look, I could give you some change today and you'd be here tomorrow because the change I'd give you would give you food today. But how many know that what we have, what we have is eternal life. What we have is a changed life. What we have is the miracle that somebody can get up off that ground and not only, not only get some money for food, but get a job but get an opportunity, but have a chance to do something that's going to be eternal and, 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 and do something with their life that fulfills their purpose. So now, as you're there, I want you to, not to look at it, but I want you to listen. I want to read this same verse in the Amplified Version. Hey, just listen. Don't look at it because it will confuse you. The words will be a little different, but listen. Same verse. Actually, I'm going to read it again, then read it in the Amplified. Here, here's what we read. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Okay, that's the verse. Now listen to this in the Amplified. Behave yourselves wisely. Behave yourselves wisely. I think of that, and I think that, you know what? Not only here in church, but at the gas station, at the supermarket, at the basketball court, Wherever I go, people are watching my life. And I don't know about you, but I get sick and tired of people who claim to be Christians living worse than the world. I'll wait for a second for y'all to go ahead and get on that. They say that they're Christians, but their life don't. And I'm not talking about judgment. I'm talking about the truth. God said we should bear fruit. We've got to be different. He says, behave yourselves wisely. And sometimes... You might ask yourself, how come I'm, and I'm not saying this is the case always, but how come I'm not seeing nobody get saved? How come I'm not seeing fruit? Maybe the life that you're living is not a life that's any different than the life of the people you're talking to. And they say, well, I'm already saved. I'm actually probably better than you. Right? I know I'm not talking to anybody in here. I'm talking to the people back there sitting in in those chairs back there. Right? How many agree with that? But if I'm living a life that's Jesus-filled and love and, and has some authority in it, those people are going to look at me and say, man, I want what that person has. There's something different about that person. So he says, behave yourselves wisely, living prudently and walking with discretion. This is the Amplified Version. In your relationships with those of the outside world, meaning non-Christians. Listen, church, the harvest is not in here. The harvest is not in some other church. The harvest is out those walls this morning. Amen. And there is a big harvest. Jesus said that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are poquitos. Amen. There's little bit of workers and a lot of harvest. It's not a harvest problem. It's a worker's problem. And it's not just an availability problem. It's a, pro- a problem of us seizing the moment and saying, I can make the difference in somebody's life today. I got to, oh, let me finish this. Making the very most of the time. And then this, in the Amplified says, seizing or buying up the opportunity. Okay, so seizing the moment. I got to 
text one day. I have no idea how. And I don't have no idea who this person is because they wouldn't respond after. But I got a text from somebody who said, you dropped something off at my door the morning that I was going to take my life. And I thank you so much for dropping that Jesus card off because that day I did not take my life and I thank God for you. I have no idea how they got my number or how in the world, who it was, but that's, that's what I'm talking about, seizing the moment. Sometimes we do something with that Jesus card and we think, man, that's, you know, that's not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen out of that. Well, how, how about if Jesus can take that Jesus card and keep someone from taking their life? I don't ever have to meet that person. I don't have to see who it is. I know that God did something by me seizing the moment of taking that. Maybe I stuck it on a car. Maybe I, st- I have no idea how they got my number. That's a little scary. Amen. But, I don't, but it doesn't matter. Then they wouldn't answer back when I asked who it was. But the bottom line is, is that I seized the moment and they didn't take their lives. Who knows what we're doing when we plant those seeds. Let's go to Matthew real quick. And as you're going to Matthew, I want to remind you of we're going to see some really important things here just for a few minutes. I, w- I want to remind you this morning uh, of some things here in the Word that will help you to seize the moment. If, if I'm talking to anybody that wants to. I, ho- I believe I am. If I'm talking to some people this morning that want to see some fruit in their lives, that want to realize that soul winning is the greatest thing you can possibly do. There's nothing more exciting. There's nothing better. Then, then I'm talking to the right people this morning. As you're getting to Matthew... And we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter uh, 14 in just a second. I want to remind you in Luke 22, stay in Matthew 14, that Jesus is, is in the garden. Our example, our Lord, our Master, our Savior is in the garden facing the crucifixion. Facing what he had to do for us to be saved this morning, thank God. I'm going to be glad Jesus seized the moment. Amen. We've got to remember that he was in a human body. We can't take for granted the fact that if he would not have seized the moment and gone all the way to the cross, we would be worthless this morning. We would have no hope. We'd be in a social club meeting right now. But thank God he seized the moment. But before he ever got to the cross, this is what we've got to remember. As we saw that video and we saw the heel breaking, the nail breaking, things going wrong, food being burnt, tickets and all these things, we look at sometimes that we make, sometimes we make a good decision. We make a godly decision. Uh, maybe you made a pledge for Africa. Maybe you've made a pledge to so- win more souls. Maybe you've made a pledge to pray. Sometimes when you do those things, the devil just immediately shows up and says, Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? How serious are you about this? Psh, psh, gives you a few blows. And here's what most people do. Uh, oh, God doesn't love me. God, how could you let him hit me like that? And they walk away. They just leave. Let me tell you, let me remind you this morning, this gospel is not for wimps. Let me just remind you that this morning. It's not for wimps. It's for valiant people. It's for warriors. It's for fighters. Amen. And let me remind you that this place here this morning is full of fighters. A lot of you are in this place fighting and bickering and drinking before it became a church. And did you, now that you got saved, don't stop being a fighter. Just start fighting the right person. Start learning how to fight the devil with spiritual warfare and not physically, carnally fighting. Amen? Don't stop being a fighter. Be more of a fighter. Have that fight in you that says, I'm going to go back in the second half and I'm going to make up for the mistake I I did. And I'm going to pay good attention to which end zone is mine. 
Every play, I'm going to make sure, okay, that's theirs, and that's mine, and mentally, I'm going to say, vamos por allá. Amen? That's the way we're going right there. That's, that's behind me, and that's before me, like Paul said. Jesus was going to the cross. He's in the garden. He's praying in Luke. You can read, read this later in Luke 22. And he says these words, Father, if you're willing, can you take this cup from me? See, it's okay to be human. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to, be, to feel insignificant. It's okay to feel not worthy. It's okay to feel like you don't have the right words. It's okay to feel scared. All those are fine. But here's how you do it anyways. You do it scared. You do it feeling unworthy. You do it feeling like you can't do it. You just do it. Amen? You just do it. You just do what you're supposed to do. And so he's in there and he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. So for a moment in humanity, he shows his humanity and shows, God, let's change this up because I'm not liking the feeling that I have right now. This is not good. They're about to come get me. They're about to beat me. They're about to rip my beard out. They're about to put this crown of thorns on my head. They're going to lash my back. They're going to they're spit on me. And he's thinking about all that stuff and he's saying, oh Lord, can we change this? And that's the moment, church, that we need to read those scriptures and stop being such wimps and say, oh my gosh, what are they going to think about me if I hand them a Jesus card? Come on. Oh, man, they're going to think I'm, oh, man, what are they going to say to me? Oh, man, Jesus was facing the crucifixion. That's a real problem. We don't live in a country right now that's being persecuted for our faith like other countries. Let's not be wimps. Let's seize the moment. Let's be strong. Let's say, God, you have given me something that this world needs. Help me seize the moment. So he says, but not my will. But yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. So let's look at Matthew 14. Begin to close with this. How many are there? Story we read not too long ago, but I'm going to go in a totally different angle this morning. Verse 22. Matthew 14, 22. If you don't have a Bible, look on with somebody there. Because my words are not going to do anything for you this morning. But his words will change your life. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately. Look at that word. Immediately. We need to be immediate people. We need to be people that do things immediately. Like there's a need, I'm there. Someone's gotten is is hurting, I'm there. Again, it doesn't mean that you have the the things that they need, but you have the thing that they need. Amen. Don't forget that. You might not have the things people need, but you have the thing that they need. The I am. Amen. I've got the I am this morning. Jesus made his disciples. I'm going to go through this quick. I'm going to give you three things to do to be able to seize the moment. Immediately, verse 22, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, mark this in your Bible if you're looking at it, he went up on the mountain by himself to what? Pray. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was what? There alone. Okay, number one, very important, very key. Numero uno, lo más importante, the most important thing you can possibly do this morning is get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. How many have ever been in sales? Let me see your hand. Any kind of sales? 
no matter what it is. How many know if you're in sales, you can't sell something that you don't know what it is? You know why a lot of people don't make it in sales? Because they get into sales and, 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 and they start selling the thing because they know they're supposed to sell it. But when they start to sell it to the people, the people begin to ask them questions and they don't even know what they're selling. Did you know the devil knows the Bible more than we do? Satan knows it better than us. We better know the Bible and we better know Jesus. You might think, how come I'm not having any fruit? Because you don't know him. I'm not saying that mean this morning. I'm saying that is truth. You cannot tell somebody about Jesus just by like the act of doing it and just say, you know, here, here's a Jesus card and, and do the motions, even though God through his grace can use a donkey. Amen. He can use anything, but that's not going to work because that person and the spirit that's in them, that's not of God, that's fighting the spirit that's in you, that is God, is going to pick up on the fact that you don't know anything more about Jesus than I do. Come on. Now, here's the good thing. When I say know him, I didn't say memorize all the scriptures. I didn't say understand every answer in the Bible. That, that, that a lot of people know the Bible. A lot of people quote scriptures. But they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you can tell that. It's up here. It's right here. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. And like Pastor Jones says, they couldn't blow the, 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 the uh, fuzz off of a peach. They couldn't do nothing in Jesus' name because they know about him, but they don't know him. And there's stories in the Bible where people tried to do things in Jesus' name and didn't know him, and they got beat up and were naked by the demons. What I'm talking about knowing him means getting in his presence. Here's something we can all do. All of us get in his presence. And I'm not talking about it Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or Sunday night at 6 or Wednesday night at 7 or a fire starter on Tuesday or breakaway on Friday or youth on Saturday or a discipleship meeting. I'm talking about what Jesus said here, alone. Amen. Amen. You know when you really begin to see fruit in your life? When you begin to spend time alone with Jesus. And when you spend time alone with Jesus, guess what happens? The people that you get around as 1 Samuel says, chapter 10, says they know they have been with God. Those disciples had been with Jesus and they said, this, these men have been with him. Y'all with me? Get to know him. Get to know his word, read his word. But listen, this is something we can all do. We can get up in the morning, we can go to bed at night, we can stop the car on the side of the road, we all kind, you can turn the TV off, you can do whatever you want to do, but you get along with God, and you don't have to, here's the awesome thing, you don't have to have the right words, you don't have to have the right sayings, God's not looking for eloquent speech, he's just looking for you to be with him. Be in his presence. And when you're in his presence, the Bible says that where his presence is, there's fullness of joy. You get to that place where you don't run to counsel, you don't run to a friend, you run to Jesus. Okay? He says immediately, listen, if Jesus did it, how much more should we? If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus, the I Am, the Master, the Savior, the King, went by himself to a place to pray, how much more should we do that? Much more. So number one is, he got alone with God. Spent time with God. Now listen, that can count with praising and worshiping him. That can count reading the Bible, whatever it is, but doing it alone with God. 
and have a balance in that. Amen? Spend time with Jesus. Let me go on to see that the boat, in verse 25, was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear, and look at the word again, but immediately, talking about seizing the moment, but immediately Jesus spoke to them and said this, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Now these are examples of how you're going to seize the moment and get people saved. Number one is you spend time with God. And again, it's not here in this service. This is great. Great to go to the prayer room. Great to be here. Great to be at every service. Those who are here who are really seeing fruit in their lives understand the importance of being at church every time the doors open. Because you grow and you learn. Amen? But it's, that's not where you're going to see the fruit totally. You're going to see the fruit when you get alone with God. And then you're going to see the fruit when every day you wake up and say, Lord, there's somebody that I need to run into today that's at the gas station, that's at the supermarket, that's at work, it's a coworker. I don't know where it is, but I'm going to run into at least some, one person today, and they're going to need me to give them a word of, just read it, encouragement. A word of encouragement. He said, be of good cheer. You know what you can tell somebody? Someone might say, man, you should see my situation, and they start to spill out all the things and the reason they're telling you is because they see something in you. They're telling you. They're telling you stuff. And as they're telling you, you're getting overwhelmed and you're thinking, I don't have no money to give them. I don't have an answer. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I can say. All you got to say is this. I know Jesus and Jesus can answer your problem. Jesus is the answer to your problem. Jesus can change your problem. Jesus can fix your problem. Just give your life to Jesus. And you encourage them and say, hey, you know what? I don't know exactly how this is going to work out, but I just want to encourage you. Jesus loves you and Jesus wants to change your situation. And if you'll just give him a chance, he will show you how real he is. You encourage them. He says, be of good cheer. It is I. Don't worry. The waves are going to calm down. And listen, if you say that with a spirit that's been with God, they'll feel it. How many are following me? If you've been with God in his presence, then you're saying that with an anointing. Anointing comes from being in the presence of God. The anointing breaks the yokes of bondage. And you'll say that, and it won't just be words you said. It'll be something that's coming from the throne of God. And you'll say it, and something will hit their spirit. It will be, go beyond their flesh. It will go beyond their doubts. And something inside will rise up, just like you did. How, how quickly we forget that somebody did that to us. Amen? Unless it's Dwayne's situation. That's a totally different situation. He got cussed out. His was rare, right? <laughs> Amen? But most of the time, someone's, but that was before he got invited. Right? God will use anything, but when it's anointed, they'll say, man, you know what? That really meant something to me. That really ministered to me. I don't know why all of a sudden I have peace. And you'll say, I do, because it is him. I, the I am is here. Amen. Amen? So he says, be of good cheer. So number one is, be with God. Number two is, encourage. And look at, go on. Peter says, Lord, verse 28, if, if it's you, command me to come on the water. And he says, come. And Peter came down out of the boat and he walked out of the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And look, here's the word again. Immediately, Jesus sees the moment, stretches out his hand and what? What did he do? Caught him. Okay. He stretched out his hand and he caught him. So what is that? 
That's an act. So you, you, you're with God. You know God in, the presence, in his presence. Number two is you encourage. And the third thing is you act. You act on faith. So that might be somebody who just said, I've got cancer. I've, I've been told by the doctor I've got cancer. You can say, I believe, you can have that encouragement, say, I believe that Jesus can heal you. Listen, we don't have to bring them to church. You say, I believe that Jesus can heal you. And then you have the faith to act. And you go to that person and you say, can I pray for you right now? Listen, I don't know too many people who, would, who have cancer who turn down prayer. Right? Because when you're in that place of desperation, you'll take anything. But we know who the person is who can heal. And so then you act upon it. You, you act by faith and you do something actually doing something. Now, there's a lot that can go beyond that that you can do, but that's the main, main, main understanding of it, okay? How many are with me this morning? Now, as we close, we've got these cards. I'm going to order some more. We order them by the thousands. This is very important. Every place that there's an empty seat has a card on it, and that's for somebody that needs to know Jesus. Amen? And listen, this is going to fall on some ears, and some people are going to be like, man, I ain't got time for that. That's between you and God. I, I'm going to make time for that. Because there's nothing else in this world that I can do that's more important than seizing the moment to tell somebody about Jesus. And I'm trying to give you a glimpse of the future because there's going to become a day when you're going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's going to ask you, what did you do for me? He's not going to even need to remind you what he did for you. He's going to say, what did you do for me? And I'm trying to help you understand that you don't want to be empty-handed on that day. I'm trying to encourage you. I don't want to be empty-handed on that day. Amen? I want to do something with what Jesus has given me. So in a minute, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask Kristen if you'd come and the musicians you'd come. I want to pray in a second over you that you would become soul winners that you would become what God has called us to be. The Bible says in Proverbs 11.30, he who wins souls is what? Wise. He who wins souls is wise. The reason that we have been able to make it this far today is not because of good preaching or good music. It has been because we keep our eyes on the harvest. We keep our eyes on souls. Amen? We keep our eyes on what Jesus is trying to do. Turn everything down just a little bit, Chris, please. Just a little bit of hiss. Just the main. Amen? How many are following me? Now, I want to ask you one more question this morning. What is this? Everybody can see it? What is the purpose of a pin? Is there any other purpose? Not a trick question. No. There's no other purpose to write. That's what these do. You can do other things with it, but the purpose of a pen is to write. Now, how many know that there are some really, there may, maybe you're in here, I don't know, there are people that collect pens. There are people who have really nice pens. Like there's a, there's a brand called Mont Blanc. They have very expensive pens. I looked this up. There are, the most expensive pen in the world is $1.5 million. Say stupid with me. Amen. Stupid. 
1.5 million dollars. It's, it's totally covered in diamonds. Some people have too much money. The cheapest on the top 10, $43,000 for a pin. Okay, but pins are very, very important. But their purpose is to write. Okay, their purpose is to write. We have these, these Victory World Outreach pins we made that we give to visitors. If you don't have them, we'll give you one this morning. And they write really good. They only cost 30 cents. But the idea behind this is, if I had a pin this morning, and let's say this was, it's the right color. It looks kind of like a Mont Blanc. Let's say this pin was worth $300. It's a lot for a pin. But people pay it. And if I have a $300 pin, it looks really good on the outside. And if, it, if it's worth $300, it's got the name. It looks nice in my pocket. I mean, it looks, looks professional. But if I whip this thing out and I need to sign something, and there's no ink, what good is this pin? No purpose. It's not fulfilling its purpose. And I don't say this to condemn. I say this as a fact. There's a whole lot of pins in the church today that look good. They're worth something. But they're not doing their purpose, which is to win souls. If the pin don't write, it's just a pin. And it's really, really not even just a pin. It's a piece of plastic. What's in you? What's in you this morning? What's in this that makes it happen is the ink. The ink of your life is relationship with Jesus. The ink in your life is the blood of Jesus that covers you. The ink in your life is getting to know him on a personal level. And the ink in your life is understanding Jesus changed me. And if Jesus changed me, he can change somebody else. But you have to ask yourself the question I've been dealing with for several weeks. Do you really believe that you are worth his blood? Do you really believe in what he did on the cross? I can't answer that for you. I can only answer it for myself. I believe. I believe this morning that the only person that can change a life is Jesus. I believe the only person and the only way to get to heaven is through the blood of Jesus. I, I didn't write the Bible, I just believe it. I'm just a messenger. And you have to ask yourself that question. If you think there's more than another way, have fun with that. Jesus said his own words, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the what? The life. No one comes unto the Father except through me.